everyone, I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He is one of the most celebrated lawyers in the world and the youngest full professor in Harvard Law School history, and now Felix Frankfurter Professor of Law Emeritus, and this just for starters. His widely acclaimed, and most would agree, controversial cases, defending the likes of former sports icon O.J. Simpson, to wealthy socialite Klaus von Bülow, which he would write about in the best-selling Reversal of Fortune, and subsequent Academy Award-winning film to follow leaving little doubt as to the genius of casting, quote, reasonable doubt, and thereby rendering, quote, acquittal. In O.J.'s case, a glove that didn't fit. In Bulow's case, disproving medical evidence, when former legal representation had garnered a guilty verdict and 30-year prison term. As to the guilt or innocence of both, well, that's a moral dilemma for which this New York-born Jew would leave to the jury. His defense, first and foremost, a matter of law and all the constitutional parameters therein. More recently, in the fabricated impeachment of 45th President Donald J. Trump, my next guest would wax eloquent in a display of legal prowess few have seen, but millions watched. Only this time, one could argue both just and moral. The acquittal that was achieved with a, quote, dream team of another kind. However, as you will soon hear, not all wins are heralded and applauded. There's a price to be paid for speaking one's mind, yet speak he has through multiple New York Times bestselling books, some of which include chutzpah, Guilt by Accusation, Defending Israel, The Case Against Impeaching Trump, and his more recent, Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law, just to name a few. And now, with his latest critical must-read, War Against the Jews, How to End Hamas Barbarism, this advisor to presidents, prime ministers, the prominent, and you, the American people, promises to deliver even more. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a high honor indeed, internationally renowned lawyer, Harvard Law Professor Emeritus, political and cultural commentator, host of the popular The Der Show podcast, the incomparable and almost always <laughs> irrefutable Alan Dershowitz. Professor Dershowitz, Alan, sir, welcome to Testimony. Well, thank you so much. The only one who ever successfully refutes me all the time is my wife, so I never get into an argument with her. <laughs> you sound like a very wise man. First of all, I have to mm-hmm. say, once again, what a complete honor it is to meet you by phone uh, with the opportunity to hear you share your latest Great Read War against the Jews releasing everywhere December 5th, 2023, and available for pre-order at 
Amazon.com. Just fantastic. Secondly, before we dive into the juggler of what is gripping America and the world today, the fight for Israel, her people, and the right to exist in the land God gave covenantly and biblically, would you, Alan Dershowitz, just share with our listeners a little of your own personal journey and faith and why, as you write about in one of your many books, Jews are not, quote, second-class citizens, but rather the apple of God's eye and brilliantly so. Professor Dershowitz, please tell us that story. Well, thanks. You know, I was brought up as an Orthodox Jew in, in Brooklyn and um, went to Israel for the first time in 1970 and became friendly with virtually all the Israeli leaders, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and Shimon Perez and Golden Meir. And I've gone back to Israel now probably a hundred times. I'm friendly still with their political leaders. I'm sometimes critical of some of their policies as I am some policies of my own country, the United States. But I love to be um, a supporter of Israel. I love to be a proud Jew. I don't accept the notion of Jews being chosen. I think, unfortunately, if we're chosen, we've been chosen for crusades and holocausts and pogroms and uh, terrorist attacks. I, I'd like to see the Jews in Israel, particularly more normalized and allowed to live just in peace. You know, Israel has contributed more to the world in terms of scientific, technological, medical, agricultural um, products uh, than any country in the first 75 years of its existence. You'd think the world would come to love what Israel has contributed, but instead uh, the world, are, are they bully Israel, they pick on it, they apply a double standard, they cheer for its enemies, they uh, uh, oppose its successes, and uh, uh, they apply a double standard to it, and I'm going to keep fighting that as long as I can. Well, amen and amen, and thank you so much uh, for sharing. And now let's get right into your latest sure. My View Must Read, War Against the Jews, How to End Hamas Barbarism. First question, how does the horrific attack of October 7th and Israel's just response change everything? Can you expound? Well, it really changes everything. Um, Israel was thought to be the best gatherer of intelligence in the world, and the intelligence failed. Its deterrence failed. Um, the attack on uh, October 7th was an Israeli failure, and it showed weakness, and then the bullies ganged up on it. And remember, the attacks on Israel began way before Israel even fired a single bullet in response. Uh, it came from, you know, 33 Harvard groups of students saying that the rapes and the beheadings or all the fault of Israel, or from organizations like the National Lawyers Guild, who said that the attack was a, um, a, a perfectly appropriate military response to occupation. So I was actually more surprised and more upset at the reaction that so many people showed to the horrible events of October 7th, the rapes and the beheadings, than the events themselves. The events yeah. themselves didn't surprise me. Hamas has said over and over again that if they ever get the chance, they will kill all the Jews in Israel. They will engage in genocide. Uh, the war against Israel's in 48 and 67 and 73 were declared to be genocidal wars. They weren't wars for political uh, surrender. They were wars to make Israel Judenrein, that is, rid of every Jew. When you have a, 
a congresswoman like Rashida Tlaib, who was recently censured by, by the House, when she says Palestine will be free from the river to the sea, she means free of Jews. Jews will either be killed or exiled or ethnically cleansed. And so um, uh, it really changed uh, the nature of the relationship between the United States and Israel, between the Saudis and Israel. Saudis were about to make peace with a strong Israel, and that's one of the reasons why Hamas went after Israel to try to show its weaknesses and to try to persuade the Arab street and the Muslim street not to allow um, to, the Saudis to make peace with Israel. So, you know, the, the, the attack on Israel was anti-peace and uh, anti-two-state solution and, and um, you know, anti-Semitic to its core. So it really did change everything, and I'm hoping Israel can start to change it back by resoundedly defeating Hamas in this uh, total war, which Hamas declared on, on Israel. Israel ought to treat Hamas the way the United States treated the Nazis and the Japanese, as you know, Churchill and Roosevelt said, total victory, unconditional surrender, nothing less. And that's what Israel should do. No, no ceasefires and no letting up until the hostages are released, saved, uh, and until uh, Gaza is rid of Hamas. The best thing that uh, Israel could do for the Palestinian people would be to get rid of Hamas, because Hamas has hurt the Palestinian people uh, tremendously. They could have had a, a good, free state, uh, Singapore and the Mediterranean, when Israel left uh, the Gaza in 2005, and instead Hamas turned it into a horrible, horrible place where living conditions were impossible, and they stole the money. Uh, there are six billionaires uh, who had Hamas who have large bank accounts worth over a billion each um, for a total of $12 billion in Qatar and Turkey. This is all money that was stolen from the people of Gaza yeah. and put in the pockets of the leaders of Hamas. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Alan Dershowitz, his latest War Against the Jews, How to End Hamas Barbarism. Um, Professor Dershowitz, Hitler spouted, and I paraphrase, quote, give me the children and I'll give you the state, unquote. Uh -huh. Meaning uh -huh. their minds through, quote, education, better worded, propaganda and indoctrination. That said, how would you seek to combat the obvious indoctrination so prevalent on college campuses and elite institutions of learning such as Harvard, resulting in now worldwide anti-Semitic protests with students siding with Hamas terrorists while condemning the victim Israel in atrocities that more than rival the Holocaust. Your thoughts? Well, the first thing I would do if I were the president of the university is get rid of all the ethnic studies departments. Uh, they're a fraud. They have nothing to do with education. They're just uh, uh, chest pounding. Oh, you know, women's studies, black studies, uh, Latino studies, Jewish studies. They, they have no place in any in any major university, there should just be studies. Um, students should learn how to think. They shouldn't be having critical race theory. Critical race theory is not critical. Yeah. It's just, you know, all, everything blacks do is good and everything whites do is bad. Uh, that's not education. That's propaganda. So the first thing I would do is get rid of every single ethnic study uh, department, every single one of them in every university in the country. Second, I would get rid of every program of diversity, um, equity and inclusion, DEI, uh, because these are against um, um, uh, diversity of ideas. They're against uh, inclusion of Jews and 
and, and Asians, and they're against equality. Uh, they have ruined universities. They have destroyed universities. Putting aside Israel for a second, they have turned them into propaganda mills uh, where decisions are made not by, um, by experts or, or scientists, but by polemicists uh, who want to just propagandize the students. So uh, I would make those radical changes. They're not going to happen. Uh, the only way they may happen is uh, funders are now saying to universities, enough's enough. We don't want to contribute our millions of dollars to help propagandize students against America, against Judeo-Christian values, against Israel, against Jews. Um, that's what's happening at universities. And unless and until these programs are dismantled, we're not going to see education in America. We're falling way, way behind China. We're falling behind every so many other countries because we're not educating our students. We're propagandizing them. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Professor Alan Dershowitz, world-renowned lawyer whose latest War Against the Jews is a must-read. Um, Alan, if I may, for years, testimony has covered the war on terror with boots-on-the-ground experts, investigative journalists, historians, and those who have lived under the tyranny of Islamic jihad and what they did to escape. In each case, Negotiation with the terrorist was not possible, but an encounter with Almighty God was, and did change the hearts and minds of those captive under evil rule. So there's always hope, spiritually speaking, my view. Add to this, we also know that Iran is the head of the snake, funding the Muslim Brotherhood sure. that has spawned Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Hezbollah, and Hamas, Different names, same objective, quote, kill the infidel with an ideology of death and not life. And we also know the Jews are God's chosen <laughs> and always will be, as well as the land of the Bible given to them by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Israel attempted to negotiate peace and give up some of their land. It didn't work, and by all accounts, never will. On this note for discussion, Alan Dershowitz, how would you seek to persuade a path for peace or has peacetime come and gone and it's now time to cut off the head of the snake for good? Your thoughts? Well, both. I think it's time to cut off the head of the snake. I think that Israel, with the logistical help of the United States, should, once Hamas is returned to where it belongs in the garbage pail of history, um, I think that Israel has to attack Iran's nuclear reactor program and deny it the power to have uh, a nuclear program, because if it gets a nuclear program, it will give nuclear weapons to terrorists. It will change the world. It will bring terrorism to a theater near you. So that's the first thing that has to happen. The head of the snake has to be cut off. Second, I wrote a book 20 years ago, maybe even longer, called Why Terrorism Works, and it's very simple because we accept it. Uh, we're never fighting terrorism. We're always we're always giving into them. Uh, Hamas figured this out. They use what they call the the CNN strategy. I call it the dead baby strategy. They kill Israelis. They know Israel's going to have to respond by taking out the rockets and by going after the leaders. They put their rockets and their terrorists uh, in civilian areas. They put babies as human shields, hoping that Israel will kill babies. They then parade the babies in front of the CNN cameras. And the world, you know, cries and the world demands that Israel stop. And ultimately, Israel gives in and stops and the terrorists regroup and just do it again and again and again. The head of Hamas said, 
this was just one event that's going to happen over and over again, and it will happen over and over again if Israel will stop from uh, doing what it has to do, that is destroying not only the head of the snake, but the body of the snake as well, which is Hamas. You mentioned in your book you have seen Jews around the world gather in unity as never before, despite uh, divisions among them politically, religiously. And can you expound on that a little bit? Look, Jews um, argue with each other. The Talmud is the first book, religious book, ever to preserve dissenting opinions. And uh, uh, we're we're argumentative people, and you're not going to get agreement when you have a country of um, you know, nine, eight, nine million people, many of most of them are Jewish, you're going to get arguments about judicial reform, about who should be the prime minister. And uh, the Jews, both in Israel and outside of Israel, are deeply divided about a great many issues, about whether to vote Republican or Democrat, about the woman's right to choose abortion, about gay rights, about, you know, Orthodox Jews versus conservative reform Jews. But on this issue, virtually every real Jew uh, supports Israel. That doesn't mean the Jewish Voice for Peace, which is a fake organization that uses the name Jewish as a kind of beard to protect it against charges of anti-Semitism. There are always going to be some Jews who uh, oppose Israel, oppose other fellow Jews. That happened during the Nazi period. Gertrude Stein was a Jew who collaborated with the Gestapo. Um, so you, you never expect everybody to join together. But the vast majority of Jews today um, will um, be supportive of what Israel has to do in the Middle East and certainly be united in opposition to Hamas and what Hamas has done. So that's the one good thing about the horrors of uh, October 7th. It did unite the Jewish community. I think it united most Americans, not all Americans, not these um, uh, uneducated uh, Harvard or overeducated, but uneducated in the real sense of the term, Harvard students uh, who supported uh, uh, Hamas and its brutality. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Professor Alan Dershowitz on his latest must-read, War Against the Jews, How to End Hamas Barbarism. I want to switch gears just a little bit. Sure. Is there one case that gives you, quote, pause, one in which no matter the verdict, you felt you could have done more? And if yes, which one and why? Well, I think the Mike Tyson case is the one I wish I could have done more. That We lost that case on a tie vote, two to two, um, uh, was the vote in the Court of Appeals. Um, I don't think he did what he was accused of doing it. I was very disappointed at the fact that I couldn't uh, free him from prison. Um, the case that gave me the most satisfaction was the case of a Russian dissident named Anatoly Sharansky, who was going to be sentenced to death and then was sentenced to life imprisonment in uh we got him out after only a few years, and um, we had to use politics, economics, law, um, and it really stretched all of our meager talents to the limit. And, and finally, we, we got him out, and he, and he um, um, uh, moved back with his wife, had two, two children. It was very gratifying. Wonderful, wonderful. What, in your view... Are the prospects for a presidential win for Donald Trump in 2024 with the onslaught of indictments, court cases, and Mm -hmm. potential prison time? God forbid, your thoughts. Well, I didn't think he was going to win until about a month ago. And what's happened is the Democrats are piling on so much and the legal system is piling on that it's increasing his popularity, certainly among the base. Um, These charges against him, you know, I wrote another book called Get Trump. 
the title didn't come from me. It came from the prosecutor in New York who ran for office on the grounds of getting Trump. She also said that the Trump administration was too male, too pale, and too stale. Uh, too pale? Too white? <laughs> Uh, too male. Can you imagine yeah. if somebody ran for office saying, uh, my opponent is too black, uh, too female, and, and right. too young? Um, if she managed in one sentence to be a sexist, a racist, and an ageist. Uh, but that's what Donald Trump is facing. And it's, he's turned it to his advantage. Look, he's a brilliant politician. There's no doubt about that. And I think he now has a fair chance of winning the election. I don't think he'll ever win the popular vote, but I think he has a chance to do what he did in 2016, that is win the electoral vote. But uh, it's a long year between now and election day, which is exactly a year from now. And a lot of things can change. The economy will have a big impact on who is elected. Uh, foreign policy may have an impact, though it generally doesn't have a big an impact. Crime and violence, the borders, they'll all have big impacts. Abortion will have a big impact. And the Republicans, I'm looking forward to hearing what Republicans have to say, because uh, in, in, in the recent elections, they've lost over the issue of, of abortion. Uh, but many Republicans feel strongly, morally, religiously opposed to it. So it's going to be a, an, an interesting thing to see how they how they maneuver that issue. Uh, various candidates have taken different positions on it and um, and uh, remains to be seen how the voters react. If Donald Trump is eliminated for whatever reason, which polls don't indicate that's happening anytime soon, what would be your second choice, if any? Well, my first choice is not Donald Trump. I'm, I'm a liberal Democrat. I will generally vote for a Democrat. I voted for some Republicans. But my second choice among Republicans, my first choice among Republicans, I think would be Nikki Haley. I like her very much. Um, she was a very good ambassador to the United Nations, a very good governor of um, South Carolina. Um, I think she'd be a strong candidate. I think DeSantis, I know them both, uh, you know, not well, but, um, uh, and I like them uh, both. I also know Governor Christie. Um, but the Republicans have a strong bench, uh, but they're going to nominate Donald Trump. And I don't think the legal proceedings will interfere. You know, he may conceivably get sentenced to prison. But I don't think a court would require him to serve until after the election was over. The name of your book is War Against the Jews, How to End Hamas Barbarism. How do we end it? By destroying Hamas, the same way we ended Nazism, by destroying Nazism, by destroying fascism, uh, by destroying Japan's imperial government. Uh, sometimes there's no compromise. And as as uh, Roosevelt and Churchill said, when war was declared on the United States by Japan, there's no other answer but total victory and unconditional surrender, and they achieved that. And the interesting thing is that the German people and the Japanese people eventually loved America for that, uh, even though they were bombed in Dresden and Nagasaki and Hiroshima and Tokyo. In the end, the Japanese people began to love America, the German people, they're our best allies today. So I think there's a potential that if Israel really can manage to destroy uh, Hamas, that the Palestinian people will come to appreciate that. Because uh, Israel will have rescued the Palestinian people, many of whom are very good people, from the horrors of, uh, of, of Hamas. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to Professor Alan Dershowitz, his latest must-read, War Against the Jew. Uh, Mr. Dershowitz, in a remaining time, 
here today, a fun one for you. Share with our listeners your recipe for living a life of chutzpah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Look, I was born uh, to, a, to a woman, um, the, my mother, uh, who defined the term chutzpah. She, you know, she was born uh, at a time when she was the first person in the history of our family ever to enter college. But she entered City College of New York in September of 1929, just a month before the Depression and had to leave. So she never was educated, but she was brilliant and tough and uh, taught me uh, to be uh, somebody with, with, with chutzpah. And so I've always had a chutzpah. My mother was ambivalent because she wanted me to have chutzpah on the one hand. On the other hand, she wanted me to be well-behaved. And I wasn't well-behaved. And in my <laughs> elementary school and high school, I was uh, a poor student. I finished high school. I went to a small Jewish high school. It had 40, I think, seven students, and I was 39th out of 47. Uh, which means there were eight dumber than me, but, you know, I was at the dumb end of the class. And then I was, you know, top of my class, both at college and law school. So I switched within four years uh, from the worst to first. And um, um, because I would ask hard questions and provocative questions, that got me in trouble uh, when I went to yeshiva, the Jewish school, and it got me praised when I went to college and law school. So I didn't change, but uh, the environment around me changed. And I think that's been true of me. For the last, I'm 85 years old now, for the last, I would say, 70 years of my life, I haven't changed very much, but a lot of things have changed. The Democratic Party has changed uh, uh, and now contains many people that I can't tolerate on the extreme hard progressive left. And um, I've lost a lot of friends when I defended President Trump on the floor of the Senate. I've lost other friends when I defended Israel. Uh, but I'm sticking to my views and my principles. I wrote a book called The Price of Principle, uh, how, how integrity is worth the consequences. But it's, you know, it's, it's cost my family a lot and me a lot. It's cost us friends. And, um, but I think principle is more important. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to legendary criminal defense attorney, Harvard Law professor emeritus, and multiple New York Times best-selling author, Alan Dershowitz, whose latest, War Against the Jews, How to End Hamas Barbarism, is a must-read. You can learn more about Alan Dershowitz's heralded work and career by visiting alandershowitz.com and get his book, Follow him on social media and his podcast, The Durr Show. You will be blessed, informed, and enlightened that you did. Facts matter, and so does history. Learn from one of God's chosen, a Jew, and gift to us all. Mr. Dershowitz, Alan, sir, thank you for taking precious time to share your life, life's work, and anointed call to defend the very liberties that have made our nation great by instilling greatness in our leaders and next generation of lawyers, defending our freedoms and the Constitution our forefathers fought to preserve and sacrificially so. As Israel is a, quote, light to the nations, so is your work in exposing, exonerating, defending, and bringing value to the rule of law in its most integral and just form. Your latest must-read War Against the Jews, How to End Hamas Barbarism, is an unabashed, unapologetic, unwavering indictment against the forces of evil trying to wipe Israel off the map 
and the United States of America. If they could, they cannot. As a Christian, I am a fan of the greatest Jew that ever lived, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Messiah, and soon coming King. As an advocate for justice against all who are oppressed, I cannot think of a better defender of that life and that, quote, call you have fulfilled and continue to do at 85 years young and still going strong. Alan Dershowitz, we thank you. God bless you. It's been an honor. Thank you all. and Thank you. And God bless you all. And I really appreciate you having me on your show. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.